G'day, welcome to Silly Point, your podcast equivalent of bowling the slow bowlers to stave off bad light stopping play. Uh, regular listeners might have noticed a bit of a change in the batting order. Pinch hitting up the top of the order here is Michael Bate. Uh, and with me in the middle order, propping up the middle order, stopping the regular collapses is the bull, Brendan Cummins. <laughs> Ooh, I don't know. I don't know about being the bull at the moment, but sure, I'll take it. Yep. You'll see why I call yeah, you the, okay. the bull very yep. soon. And uh, the man who makes every tail wag is the reverend. <laughs> The Reverend Reese Meekin. <laughs> I, I don't, really don't know how to respond to that. Uh, if only, if only I'd made a career out of wagging tails. Well, yeah, if only. Uh, <laughs> well, lads, we've just seen the end of a bloody great test match. Australia beating South Africa fairly comfortably to go one up in the series. Well, it was it ended up being quite close, but I'm not too sure how close it. It, it, it sort of had that feeling like at the start that it was close and at the end it was close, but in the whole middle bit, it kind of wasn't close, right? No, not really, no. I suppose not. It, it wasn't until that, that fourth day when De Bruyne and Markram and De Kock put a couple of partnerships together. And mm, I'm faff. Don't forget the beautiful <laughs> palindromic partnership between Markram and Faff. Did Faf do anything? He was at least there. I just wanted to say palindromic <laughs> partnership. It's not often that you get two palindromes at the crease in Test cricket. Um, yeah, it was it was weird. Uh, it sort of felt scared the whole time with A, B and Faf. But looking at Faf's record, because he's one of those players that makes you kind of scared when you read mm. his name in the lineup. But it's not an overly mm. impressive... Well, he more scares you because you fear you're not going to be able to get him out, right? Yeah, like, yeah. he's going to be there three days. He's going to be there once the test is over, still but, blocking yeah, yeah. the ball. Yeah. Out, yeah. So, I think it's like 10 hundreds and 550s from a guy who's like captaining, you know, arguably the best test side at the moment. Probably, mm. you know, definitely at the tail end of that. But was that make you scared when you think about 500s and 1050s or roughly that kind of doesn't make me scared no. I'm, yeah. I'm not scared at all um <laughs> but then again we're not the bull so <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, I bring up the the reverend and bull thing because obviously we've seen a bit more of the bull from davy warner than the reverend in the last <laughs> couple of days um and i just wanted to get you guys opinions I kind of have a theory that he's bringing the ball back because he's been a bit out of touch and maybe he's, you know, he wants to, feels like he can fire himself up and improve his batting by becoming the ball again. Well, maybe he did get, he did get banished a few years ago for bullying Rudy. Bullying too hard. <laughs> bullying, bullying on the root. Um, <clears throat> and then was in basically stellar form up until last, well, the most recent Ashes series. <laughs> mm. so, so he maybe he, didn't Rudy, he yeah. gets banned, he comes back. Yeah, kills and it's it. It's been all up, up, upwards from there. <laughs> Becomes the Reverend. And it's been kind of. Yeah, De Kock is the new Rudy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's kind of odd, though, because in theory, as the Reverend, he's had a very good T20 international series. 
He's captain the side. Yeah, but in what, what was it at the highest level? Though? It was at the Mediterranean Cricket League, <laughs> which we've established as the highest level. Can't believe uh, we have to wait three months for that. I oh, know. I think we might have sold one ticket to that tour, by the way. <laughs> uh, so you've missed it. If you're, if you're trying to get on board now, you've missed the one limited edition <laughs> ticket. There yeah. might be. We might have a second one up for grabs. <laughs> yeah, we might have some door sales or something like just on the day. We're doing a good job of creating <laughs> scarcity value here. Like you, you watch these sales go through the roof tomorrow. Um, but yeah, I mean, he did captain the side. He batted well. Uh, seemed to do the right thing as captain. By all reports, he led that team very well. Yeah, so. but batting well in 2020 is a bunch of bollocks because <laughs> you get like 25 and you batted well, really. Like, I think he got a 50, didn't he? Or did I make uh, that up? Yeah, he got a 50. He yeah. got at least 150. Yeah. So, I don't know. I feel like maybe being a bit more level-headed was serving him well a few <laughs> weeks ago and now all of a sudden he's just lost the plot. But maybe he just got really excited about running out De Villiers and I think from then on, did. <laughs> that was it. I think yeah. that's what, like... Brendan and I discussed this the other day that Davey Warner, for such a good fielder that he is, he rarely runs anybody out. He, he, <laughs> and, and he didn't really. No. Like, he, created he, he threw it to, to Nathan Lyon. Yeah. Who, it was also a reasonable distance <laughs> from the stumps. It wasn't one of those ones where, you know, Lyon's taken it in front of the stumps or right next to them. You know, he wasn't hitting a fourth stump line. He just kind of put it in the general direction <laughs> of the bowler's end and it just happened that Lyon was still there. And then... Followed was like Dave Warner's ferocious send off, but coupled well, with Nathan Lyons, like cheeky, ball cheekiest, drop. cheekiest <laughs> send off. He teabagged the villiers. <laughs> yeah. And if you haven't seen or read the news, he's been fined fifteen percent of his match fee. Which you're Nathan Lyon, you're the be- you're, you're a bloody good bloke. You don't really care about the money. Um, but he gets two demerit points and there's this whole new demerit point mm. system. I don't know whether you guys are up on top of It's similar to the poor ground demerit system that they've got running. But if you get a certain number of demerits, you, you're, you're banned from a test. So I four, think it's think, only four. Yeah, it's yeah. Four. So two, losing two demerit points for what Nathan Lyon did, which is on the very tame end of the... Sledging spectrum, I would have thought. Mm. Seems like a harsh punishment. Yeah, well, Casigo Rabada is also on two points, but that's from two infractions. Uh, one was for a, a send-off, and I think that was to Shikadawan, and it was, yeah, the old kind of point to the pavilion, on your way, mate. And the other one was for foul language, which, for mine, you're on a cricket pitch, unless you've you're saying it directly to the batsman as a send-off. If you've dropped a, a C-bomb or an F-bomb, so be it. And when you're Casigo Rabada and there are three people turning up to a test cricket match <laughs> in Durban and those three people are well, only there to watch you. <laughs> well, that's probably why it was only one point for that because <laughs> that, yeah, yeah, you can't really yeah, bring the game into distribute. Yeah, based on... Uh, increasing attendance <laughs> yeah. from two pretty, to pretty much if we lose Rabada the three people who turned up will stay at home <laughs> and try to protect their farms from <laughs> being taken away from underneath them speaking of the the scarce uh, spectatorship over there did did you see the bloke who was dressed in the full South African that kit with helmet so, yeah. he looked like he was going to try and hop onto the yeah, field and very, very, very I was strange. like Philander 
in his jumper that looks <laughs> very out of shape. And I didn't realise he was he wore glasses. Because they showed him, I think, when Philander was the next man in. Yeah. So it was very confusing. I was like, is he... Does he think this is a T20? He's got a race out there. And, <laughs> and I love strange. the guy like swinging the back yeah. going through. He's warming up, getting ready to go out. And it was only at the point, because you couldn't see, the guy had his helmet on, but it was only at the point where he held up his bat and it had everybody's signatures on it where you're like, okay, it's not for Lander. And then they zoomed out and he was on the other side of the fence and you're like, okay, yeah, this, yeah. Is, this, is, this is the South African chumbies, basically. <laughs> I can imagine AB de Villiers though, makes all of the South African batsmen walk out with his signature on the bat, yeah, though. Absolutely. Yeah, it's actually his his bat. It's the, yeah. <laughs> the Grey Nichols AB special. Said, so, look, boys, I'll personally sign it for you. <laughs> That's very Glenn Maxwell of him. It is. <laughs> so we, we had the we've we've had the send-off. Lion's been fined and Warner Well, well something like because Warner was I think he was having a go at Markram, because Markram was the guy yeah. who really is out. Yeah. But he was mouthing off. I can't lip read, but he was just that was, getting stuck in. It was very aggressive. And yeah. it was very Muppet-like. You know when the Muppets start <laughs> going on like a little kind of laughing rampage? I don't even know if he was saying anything. I don't think it's your poor lip reading skills. <laughs> I think he's just, he's got like a little uh, South Park Terrence and Phillip kind of flip top head thing going on. <laughs> it's one of it his favourite cartoons. It's like, like a Hungry Hungry Hippos impression. <laughs> But I, uh, I'm a bit concerned about Nathan Lyon, to be honest. You know, the guy has started out his career as a very humble uh, groundskeeper, has been elevated to greatest of all time status, is now going around banging the ex-girlfriends of his teammates, and now he's <laughs> giving some rude send-offs to some of the game's greatest batsmen. I worry that maybe he's getting ahead of himself. and Maybe it's time for Gaz to... Cut 15% of that match fee, head back down the sacker, roll a wicket a couple of times, and just, just remember where you came from, son. I would be all for that. I think that's a fantastic idea. Get him back to his roots. Yeah. Get him down there preparing a pink ball wicket, leave a bit of grass on it. Yep. And just remember some humility. Yeah. <laughs> nah, it's a bloody good bloke. <laughs> Everybody wants to get on the bash Nathan Lyon bandwagon every now and then. He's the, he's the bloody goat. And I think he, now he knows it. He, he's, he's had a real, he's had an interesting career for criticism, hasn't he? Because he, when he sort of came in, there was a lot of criticism. Mm. Of late, he's been... Basically, in the last 12 months, he's been shit up until he overtook Richie's record and mm. now he's the goat and yeah. then that's it. Yep. But there's still a lot of anti-lion sentiment out there. There is. And you talk to a lot of speaking to somebody on the on the weekend who's a bloody giant dickhead, but <laughs> saying wasn't me, he doesn't. Was it? <laughs> saying oh, he's like, how bad Warner. is it? How how bad is it that Nathan Lyon is good? And like that as a comment in itself is the dumbest <laughs> yeah. fucking thing I've ever heard. <laughs> how <laughs> bad is it that, that Nathan, Nathan Lyon is good? good? And it's like check your head, everybody. He's <laughs> the goat. He, and he, he gives, bowl, bowls like a bloody legend. And he gives hope to the little guy. I thought that was the best part about the story all along. Like, I, I went down and started volunteering at the Wacker in the hope that maybe one day I could play test cricket for Australia. He could potentially. It, it is a Kenny Power story in the making <laughs> for Nathan Lyle. He could end up, you know, that being a be relief, relief his head teacher somewhere down the line. <laughs> if, if we could get some footage of Nathan Lyon 
slow-mo on a jet ski off Henley <laughs> Beach. That'd be perfect. I'm sure it exists. I'm sure we could get a hold of that. Oh, Nathan fucking lion. <laughs> Uh, but to bring back to Davey Warner, so he's had this uh, altercation in the stairwell that we've all seen. I'm not sure who released that CCTV footage, but oh, some cheeky yeah. lad has. It doesn't look good. Um, I don't think anybody knows what's been said. Reese, you were saying you were trawling the dark web for anyone <laughs> who's got a bit of an insight. Yeah, I went deep into the dark web <laughs> to the bowels of... of Slash R slash cricket, <laughs> uh, but couldn't find anyone who's uh, who's willing to admit to knowing exactly what was said. But I'd suggest something involving Sonny Bill Williams and a Gold Coast bathroom would be a pretty fair bet. That's a fair bet for what the cock said. We don't know what Warner's said or hasn't said to provoke this. Graham Smith, I think, knows. He's not going to say anything. No. Um, the match referee is ruling on it tomorrow. What do you think is going to happen? Well, I think it's probably not going to be good for Australia because the only thing they're going to look at is what was said in on the field with the stump mics, right? There's, and mm. nobody in that stairwell. You think, I know, There's no stairwell, Mike, is Mike, there? yeah. So <laughs> you don't think that everybody would just be like, oh, no, I just got a little heated, whatever, you know, nothing, nothing to talk about here. It's all good. So I don't think there'll be anything that'll come from it, but it's definitely one of the uglier incidents that I've seen in a while. Yeah, I think to draw a, a parallel from uh, Australian rules football, when uh, Adam Selwood may or may not have uttered something about Des Headland's tattoo, which is a tattoo of his daughter, uh, there was a violent reaction from Headland um, but the tribunal could not actually establish that Selwood had said what Headland thought he had said. So in the end, for something that they couldn't actually prove, they kind of went, well, Selwood, you need to go and kind of pull your head in a little bit. Headland, we assume you were provoked, therefore we won't um, cite you for striking. And we'll just kind of just let the whole thing disappear and acknowledge that it was an unpleasant looking situation. And I wonder if this will be the case here where it's like, oh, everyone just kind of goes to a code of conduct. We're not going to repeat anything. The whole system just kind of becomes very insular. The ICC acknowledges that everyone's been naughty and then you move on. It's interesting given the whole uh, conversation about stump mics being turned down prior to the series <laughs> and... It has, it, and it is only going to come back to bite Australia in the ass, I think. And you know they might have, you know, gone after them a little bit in that stairwell, knowing that 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 was a, a place that they could get some footage. <laughs> of yeah. that Quentin de Kock just said, "Lads, Qantas is fucking shit." <laughs> <laughs> you know, four X tastes like piss. <laughs> I'm glad I've got refreshing castle lager in our change rooms. Davey, the blacks on that OLED look fucking terrible. <laughs> it is a shit TV. I don't know how you're watching cartoons on that. Yeah, yeah. it's a it's a really it's an interesting situation, particularly with the the stump mics that the ICC code of conduct says you have to turn them down, 
So can the ICC match referee then potentially use that audio if he has it available to make a determination? But they didn't turn it down. No, they didn't. But that's contrary to the code of conduct. Mm. Now, it is only a voluntary code, but you would hope that the ICC would, you know, in trying to reach a conclusion, would adhere to its own code, even if uh, Supersport refuse. Uh, But the other interesting thing for mine is just that it's purported that Warner was just going after Decock for an hour with some really vicious sledging and it, uh, it continued for a fair duration. But all I saw, um, and I admittedly didn't see while Decock was batting, but all I saw were the umpires pissing themselves laughing constantly at the banter that was going on out there. So it's it does come into question what role the umpires should have been playing. Well, and how, how vicious can the sledging be if it's not personal? And I, I, this yeah, seems to yeah. be what the line is. It's like mm. sledging and banter is fine. As soon as it crosses the line, then it's bad. Well, and surely that line is anything personal. Mm. Everything else is fine. Yeah. And it's sort of there are there have been moments in time where that line's been crossed in cricket history, but you mm. don't hear about it too much. So. Vicious, how vicious can it be? It's yeah, and yeah, like I say, I all I saw was the umpires having a laugh anytime yeah. anyone was chirping. So surely, yeah, if that's the what they're there to do. Are, are having a laugh, like how bad can it be? That's mm. their that's their job to step in. And, yeah, and well, and they do reportedly down. have more power in that space recently as well. I can't exactly remember what it is, but they 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 basically have the power to like send you off the field now if they think you're yeah. getting too out of line. So it can't have been that ferocious if they haven't, you know, I haven't seen any footage of them coming in and going like, hey, calm down, which they, mm. you saw it a few times in the ashes where yeah, it happened Jimmy, Jimmy was getting a bit yeah. mouthy mm. as he does because he's a good bloke <laughs> um, <laughs> and the umpire's stepping in to say, just calm down a little bit, you know. So I don't know if that, I really buy that angle that, they were, oh, they might have been relentless, but you, you learn that when you're a 13 year old playing cricket. Mm. Mm. You get some pretty lol sledges, <laughs> but there's certainly no sweary swears. <laughs> but you know, I, don't, I don't think it's the first time that Decock would have been <laughs> at the crease for an hour. <laughs> and and cop some sledges, and if it if it not if with it a is, name like Decock, hard hard enough. I'm gonna say a name like Quinton. <laughs> <laughs> Oi, Quinny, you got a shit name. <laughs> yeah, uh, I tend to agree. I think uh, there'll be a, maybe a bit of a slap on the wrist, but I don't think we'll see any major disciplinary action. I think it'll just be, you know, both captains, both team managers, both coaches, mm. just calm it down. Let's not have ugly scenes like this. Let's just keep it out on the field. Mm. And I think that's that's sort of the way the conversations have gone. Mm. I mean, it's definitely going to give some fire to because the on-field stuff was kind of pretty tame. Mm. Mm. I, it's been. I just, it just kind of occurred to me then that the last time these two team play, teams played, there was uh, Mintgate or Lollygate with Faf. Yeah, lo- uh, there was Lollygate with Faf, yeah. and the quote. And I assume this is why Supersport have left the mics on, was that quote from Faf that the Australians were like a pack of wild dogs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it was pretty heated last time. Yeah, and we haven't really heard too much about that in the build-up. So. No, I think that's because, uh, yeah, putting the tinfoil hat on, that's an Australian conspiracy <laughs> with, uh, with lip balm gate oh, that yeah. we're trying to cover up uh, Steve Smith's lip balm 
obsession. Got to keep that one. Quiet, the, the, yeah, there's no, but there's just no point writing articles or giving any credence to a tour that three people are watching. So, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's really, really terrible. Like, it, it's funny given that last week we had Moen Ali coming out and saying that Test cricket is dead and mm. the Ashes numbers are really terrible. There must have been six hundred thousand people going to the Test matches over the over the five Test matches here. Mm. There were three, <laughs> yeah, like, three total. For this it's year. funny to have that comment and then have, you know, two and three playing each other, two form. Well, the, the, probably South Africa form is not great, but a good side with ambitions of being number one and have a have a quality side and mm. a, a team that's well informed and on, you know, turning a corner, mm. and we've got. Basically, there's more promo girls in the crowd than there are people actually watching the game. Yeah, it's archaic watching the the South African footage mm. a little bit. There's a lot of stuff that you wouldn't get away with. No, in is... any other mm. a lot of <laughs> a lot of cackle, cackling lads in the commentary box. And oh, look, you get away with that in Australia. <laughs> <laughs> Slightly less misogynistic, I'd yeah. say. But. It, it certainly, <laughs> you don't know how that would go anywhere else. Well, certainly not in the UK and, and not in Australia, I don't think. And no. It, just, yeah. It, it is farcical that for such a good cricket team, they've got nobody goes to the games. Another thing that I think is farcical is uh, this bad light stopping play malarkey that's plagued this test i think it from what i can tell it's a thing uh in this part of the country at this time of year it gets dark at around 4 30 so obviously it's a sensible thing to schedule a cricket <laughs> at a regular time in a game where you can't turn the floodlights on mm. and you've got a you've got mitch stark on a hat trick who has been told he can't bowl anymore less all the players get taken off the pitch. Mm. Uh, what's the solution to this? Do you guys have a solution? Well, it's not. It's not dissimilar to cricket in England. Mm. It's like let's play a, a summer sport in a country that rains every day. But also, <laughs> well, let's invent the summer sport <laughs> yeah. that that relies on it not raining. Yeah. <laughs> um, but you also have the, the a similar situation there, where I think they might start at ten thirty in the UK as opposed to I know they start at eleven here. At least yeah. in the UK, in, in summer, the light it's light for a very long time. You do yeah. just have the clouds tend to roll over in the evening, and mm. um, that's that's more a consequence of it being a grey, yeah. dreary country. Yeah. Than- <laughs> Bad light does stop play quite a bit there, and you could. There is an argument to move it forward. Like how how much forward can you move stuff? Given that you got to give people time to get to the game, it is a um, you know it's a social event. It's not a work day, so you can only move it forward so much. But if you're playing Test match cricket on weekdays anyway, why not just start it at nine a.m. Like yeah, there's nobody going to the game in South Africa, <laughs> well, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so you could start it whenever you wanted. Man, start at start at sunrise. Yeah, but those promo <laughs> girls are at work. <laughs> that's a full work They've day. They clocked them. on like nine to five. That's fine. Um, the other thing that I saw suggested from Sean Pollock was play with the pink ball, mm. play a day game with the pink ball, and just turn the lights on when you need to. Which I don't know. It's I don't know how South Africa would go given 
how they've gone in wickets that have actually moved about recently. Um, yeah, it's not a, like it's not a bad idea. Um, makes sense, but yeah, with we'd, big we'd get balls, to the point where you'd have you'd have a new ball at forty five overs or forty overs. If yeah, you, if you did that, mm-hmm. that's probably the only risk on some like on that wicket. Um, are you going to have to replace that ball far too frequently? But it's certainly something that deserves a bit of merit. We certainly and we, until we they haven't quite got that balance between ball and bat right with the pink ball test yet. It might be something to consider in five years' time once we played more than five pink ball tests across the world. <laughs> yeah. You know, I think what well, we played three. South Africa have played two. South yeah. Africa have played two days of one. Yeah. <laughs> um, England's played one, I think. Oh, well, one in England and one over here. Yeah. So I don't know whether there's the... The... Uh, guts behind the pink ball to sort of motivate for it to take over as the main ball then i mean you think about how much uproar there is when you talk about australia might go to use the duke and Mm. you know just changing the ball it it, did ruffle too many feathers Mm. it'd be like it'd be like warner in a stairwell man (laughs) (laughs) that's a bull in a stairwell I wouldn't have minded seeing Mitchell Stark with that pink ball, given what he was doing with the red. It is always a pleasure with to the pink. see Steve Smith roll the old arm over, so I'm not going to yeah, complain about true. any situation. That means he <laughs> has to do that. There, it, it was, um, there was a lot of... I, I watched the majority of the first day and there was a lot of frothing on Kagiso Rabada. Mm. Was there equally as much frothing on Mitchell Stark where he tore the absolute guts <laughs> out of South Africa late on the second day? Oh, look, when I was watching that late on the second day, it was at the pub with the sound off in... Well, in a pub in Western Australia, you were and there frothing. was some frothing. There was some frothing going on in that pub. There was a few frothies flying around. Frothies were going down the mouth. <laughs> Frothing was coming back out of the mouth. There were scenes that shouldn't be seen in public. Uh, it was certainly the mood at Vasti Bar in Netherlands was was very positive. Um, not sure so much on Supersport TV, but yeah. he had that ball on a string. That was, was frightening. Was it uh, South African commentators frothing over Rabada, or was it? Oh, look, I think it was almost everybody. I mean, he is a fantastic bowler. He's great. He's got incredible pace. But the, the he wasn't... I don't think he bowled particularly well in the test match to support his number two bowling status in the world. He certainly mm. was very good at times. There were moments when he was really quite ordinary as well. Yeah, so what do you have? Two in the first and three yeah. in the second, I Two think. for 74 in the first yeah. and... Uh, two for 28 in the second. So that's yeah. pretty good. Yeah. But yeah, certainly Maharaj was uh, was for mine the pick of the bowlers in the first. He was getting a lot of turn. For a guy who a week earlier I couldn't even remember seeing bowl before, <laughs> uh, was getting a lot of movement. Uh, it was good to watch. Yeah. Do we want to talk about some of the in- individual performances? Um, I guess player of the match, Mitch Stark. He took nine wickets for the game uh, and scored... 35 runs of 25 balls at a very important time. Yeah, that was a crucial innings from him. Um, and, yeah, I mean, the bowling was just phenomenal. Like, some of those cutters that he was sending down, you felt sorry for the South African batsman. I don't know how you play that. I really don't. And 
another great performance by Mitch Marsh. Mitch Marsh falling four runs shy of 100. And in fact, this is a, a great little stat that this is a man who about a year ago was labelled the worst number six in the history of Test cricket and had an average that would back that up. Since coming back into the Test side this summer is averaging 104. So that little 96 dragged his average down. <laughs> uh, Mitch... Phenomenal, obviously. Sean, also phenomenal. I did remark um, on Thursday night that, yeah, when you you look down, um, demolishing your uh, your varsity five dollar cheeseburger on a Thursday night, <laughs> and you look back up and you see that there's a wicket, and it's a Sean Marsh Steve Smith partnership, and there's that part of you that just thinks, ah, oh, shit. I really hope <laughs> I hope it's Sean because for the benefit of the side and the benefit of our country. You need Steve Smith in the middle. But there's that other part of you that just says, I really hope it's not my boy, Sean. <laughs> and he was great. Mitch was great. Yeah, I think every Australian batsman contributed somewhat, except for, for Uzi. Except for Uzi. Oh. And it's, it's, it's that, that narrative of Uzi not being able to play spin bowling is going to continue. Because, yeah. you know, you presume that Bancroft and Warner are going to be around long enough for them, for it to be an okay point Mm. for them to bring on Maharaj. And they're going to bring him on straight away as soon as, unless Bancroft and Warner are out in the first five overs, which they, given their own, they they really haven't looked like that. Bancroft might get out for five, but that five takes him about 25 (laughs) overs to get to. So to be honest with you, if, if that situation arose and I was theft, if that happened mid-over, I would pull my bowler off with a feigner hamstring, send him off the pitch, and then get Maharaj on to bowl the next three deliveries. <laughs> it, it, it will be interesting to see what they do. And it will happen over... You'd think over the next three tests, one of them is going to get out early. What they're going to do... Because you don't want to play... Was he? You don't want to give him that eight overs, really, because he'll get himself in. He'll get himself in, and he'll mm. he'll feel like he's he's at the crease, and then he'll handle the spin bowling, which he generally does if he comes in in that situation. Mm. So you would almost think that there could be a, you know, you could be first session, second over, <laughs> yeah. bowling Maharaj to Usman. I I honestly think if I was Duplessis, particularly given the theatrics in that first test, I would do it. I would absolutely do it just to get at him straight away. Even if it's just for an over, just to let him know, just get in his head. Yeah, Yeah. in all honesty, if he was, he's on strike for Maharaj, whomever's bowling at the other end, and he's not on strike for the next Maharaj over, then just pull him and put a quick back on. Just troll him. (laughs) Maharaj uh, is a is a strike enough bowler that you can do that. Yeah, yeah. He so. he also took nine wickets for the game, which is I think has been a bit lost in the shuffle by the Australian media. He took five in the first and four in the second, so he had a he had a very good game with the ball. There was a few of those. He did get a there were a couple of odd deliveries in that first uh, odd dismissals in the first uh, innings with Australia getting out to him, probably attacking a little bit more than what they should have. Mm-hmm but still bowled very aggressively. I think that was the the difference 
between seeing some bowlers that come to Australia and tend to just bowl a very negative line and try to, you know, try to contain. contain yeah. Whereas he he seen he, he went for runs, but he was, it was also creating opportunities mm-hmm. and. It's good to see. Always good to see a good attacking spin bowler. Absolutely. Mm. And I think we should also mention uh, Aiden Markram for his 143 in the second innings. Fantastic knock from such a young man. Well, he had to, right, after running out to Villiers. <laughs> got a score for the both of them. Davey Warner let him know, and he's like, oh, yeah, okay, great. Yeah, I should probably score 140. Who's yeah. Whose call was it? Was it AB's call? It or was was it? I think it was AB's. It was yeah. behind It was wicket. behind the wicket, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, AB called and was halfway down the pitch and Markram sent him back. Mm. He was like, oh, you get halfway and then you go back the other way, just like my name. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, On that laugh from my co-hosts, we might leave it because I don't think I'm going to be able to top that. Anybody, have, anybody else have that's anything they self, want to say? Very self-defeatist of you. I mean, that's it. When, you, when you've got the ball in the ring. <laughs> well, I just think it, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a ferocious follow-up given the heat that was in this one. And we're, we've got almost two sets of back-to-back tests, which is going to yeah, be... Yeah, so the yeah. next one starts on Friday, I believe. Yeah. I'll yeah. just double-check that. I'm pretty sure it's Friday. So, it's so they, they, they'll be very happy with the extra... Well, basically, the, the full extra day off. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, it's going to be. It is actually heating up. You feel like it's got some fire in it yet. Mm. Yep. Any predictions for the next next test? Five nil. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm not sure how that works. Well, five days. Five. Uh, we're, no, we're, get, we're just we're going to win all five days. Okay. I like that prediction. I don't know. Where's it's hard to. You know, it's not like Cape Town. It's not like. Um, series in South Africa you're really well rehearsed in what the grounds are and what they play like and and Australia and South Africa are quite similar mm. I think it'll be much of the same it'll come down to the I, I wonder if there'll be a bit more fire in the deck and South Africa will just hope to win the toss or something like that mm-hmm. mm. But it'd be hard for them to leave any grass on the wicket, given that they've got z- <laughs> zero well, water. This next one's in Port Elizabeth. I'm not sure what the water situation is there, but, nah, but yeah, they're it's okay. A port, so <laughs> some of them are okay. <laughs> uh, but then again, so, so is Cape Town. So. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, you, you, can't, you can't water it with salt water. Uh, I just water, asked, water everywhere. It's just, it's a, it's just a, a salt bush pitch. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, ask Gazza, he'll tell you that. <laughs> so, listen, mate, I know a thing or two about pitch preparation, as I do about banging Mitch Marsh's eggs and giving <laughs> AB de Villiers a send-off. Oh, and spin bowling. Just a little thing about spin bowling. He's a knowledgeable man, is the goat. Is he ever. Uh, <laughs> okay, uh, I don't really know the spin on... Where to find us? Uh, so I'll <laughs> throw over to Brendan for this one. You can find <laughs> us on Twitter at Silly Point Potty, uh, Facebook. Just search Silly Point. You know you'll get us there eventually. Facebook.com forward slash Silly Point Podcast. Yep, there we go. Um, we're also up on all of your favourite podcasting sources: iTunes, Stitcher. I don't know. There's some others, but I don't know what they are. Just. He's got time for that. Yeah. If you if you're listening to us on some sort of <laughs> <Yeah>. podcatcher, <laughs> you'll find us on that podcatcher. Hit hit subscribe, <laughs> give us a like, 
Leave us a review. It helps us get up in the ratings. Yeah, um, please leave us a review. Yeah. Currently, we only have five-star reviews left by people that may or may not be actually participating in the podcast. <laughs> yeah. So, that's a little sad. Or, or people very closely affiliated <laughs> with people participating in the podcast. So, yeah, please leave us a review. I don't even really... At this point, I don't even mind if it's bad. Just a little just bit anything. of feedback would be nice. <laughs> Any publicity is good publicity. <laughs> do, you, do you just want to unleash the bull? Like you want a, a one-star review yeah, just, and then the opportunity to just fire don't, back. Don't <laughs> leave a review slagging off my Candace. Otherwise, I'm going <laughs> to come and find you and cut you. <laughs> uh, I think, yeah, we might leave it there. Yeah. <laughs> at the point at which... Brendan threatens to cut people. <laughs> That's yeah, probably it seems time. like a good place to cut it off. Uh, thanks for listening. Bye, guys. Boy, boy. Good night. Mm-hmm. <laughs>